0: Hello, and welcome to the Sunday Sermoncast from Bethel Evangelical Free Church on Washington Island, Wisconsin. I'm Rick Smith, and I've been here at Bethel since 2016, enjoying this great church on this spectacular place off the northern Kip of Door County, Wisconsin. This message comes from our Sunday morning service here on the island, and it's geared towards discovering what the Bible has to say to us in our everyday lives. So God's blessing on you, and thanks for joining with us wherever you are today. Some years ago, Betty Lou and I were in Nebraska and and I was out of pastoral ministry for just about two years. working in a homeless shelter and working in a restaurant and I mean we were still involved in churches along the way but uh, we're not uh, in pastoral ministry per se and and uh, pastor uh, was gone one week and so we had a guest speaker and and he was speaking out of about evangelism and and, and principles of evangelism out of the book of Acts and and as he was going through and just telling about some of the great stories that are in Acts I I turned to her at one point said you know uh, when we get back to pastoral ministry, at some point uh, I, I want to start in on a series on Acts and, and to take a look at these stories and how they affect us. Because when we look at the book of Acts, we are seeing the church at its inception, That is as God started this new work through Jesus Christ, as he revealed who he was, who he was in, in this, this entirely new way, Certainly it had been talked about and prophesied about in, in, in the Old Testament. So much so that uh, when Jesus, after he died and, and rose again, and uh, the, the followers of him were in a bit of confusion, uh, they didn't know where they were going. There's a story in, in the Gospel of Luke. At the end of Luke's Gospel... We, there's two guys walking along a road to to a place called Emmaus, about six miles out of town, and and they're they're just completely confused. They'd heard that the women had gone down to the tomb on on Easter Sunday and found nothing, and they told the disciples, and they ran down there and they they, they couldn't find Jesus, and 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 they they didn't know what to make of it, and they come across this guy in the road, and he said, "What's going on?" and uh, and they're like. Well, if they were in 2019, like dude, do you not know what's going on? We we we, were, we had this this guy we thought he was the Messiah, the one who would who was going to lead us, and and he died. So now we we don't know what to know, and we our women went down to his tomb, they couldn't find him. We're just we're headed home, and 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 Jesus into that mix said, "How foolish you are." Don't you understand that the Christ had to go through all of these things, that he had to suffer through all of these things? So so that that all these things that are talked about in, in Moses and the prophets could have been fulfilled this is what was called upon this needed to happen and he explained through through the old testament through the hebrew scriptures of how all this had been talked about and designed by god from the beginning and and they just soaked that in and they came to the to the town and and he he was going to go further. Jesus was. They could. They didn't understand. They couldn't see. Somehow, something was blocking them from seeing Jesus. And he made as if he was going to go further. And well, Jesus says, "Well, I'll have I'll have bread with you." And they broke bread. And in the breaking of the bread, they were able to recognize him. And and then he was gone from their midst. And so they rushed back the six miles to Jerusalem. And they they go find the disciples and and said we saw him, and then the disciples said, we saw him too, and, and, and this great line from, from Cleopas and, and his, his partner, did not our hearts burn as he explained the scriptures to us? And uh, this is the inception of the confused church beginning to figure out what the call of God was on them. Well the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles is, is the fuller description, and, and within that description, you get a sense of what it's about, right? It's the actions that are going to happen by the apostles. What do they do? How did they begin to, to work this out? And, and when Luke begins this particular writing, he does it in similar ways to his Gospel of Luke where he addresses it to someone in particular, someone called Theophilus, um, called Most Excellent Theophilus in, in, in the book of Acts. But he starts off Acts chapter 1 this way. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen right, so so there's there's all of the gospel of luke in one sentence this is what my point was until the time jesus this is all the things he did until he left and there's a sense that's volume one and so from now on we're going to talk about what he's doing now through the spirit of god through the, his apostles so he he had his apostles he's given them instructions and this is what it looks like verse two or verse three They were looking intently into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men, dressed in white, stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who had been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Uh, As we begin to look at this book and the things that God begins doing through the followers of Jesus, uh, we are seeing a movement take place. It, the making of a movement is happening here. And and a movement is differentiated from an organization in that a movement has always before it something that it's headed towards. Organizations sometimes get themselves caught up in and just continuing to exist. We, we organize ourselves so that we can continue. But uh, the, the Evangelical Free Church, of which we we'll a remember, has always resisted the the title denomination because that, that that seems to them too much of this is an organized thing. We just want to exist so that it continues to exist. But has ins- desired to, to continue to be a movement of the Lord Jesus Christ through his spirit of, of like-minded churches in as- association with one another with our common goal being Jesus and his ongoing work. Because that's the role of, of God's people, ongoing. That we continue to look for the, the movement of God within our midst, that, that we're not just stuck in some way of doing things. And, and so as we begin to look at what happens next, after Jesus is gone, how does this form into what we now know as the church? And, and the making of this movement, we see... God's kingdom having been revealed to these disciples, and uh, uh, not, not just the 11 that remain, but the other disciples that, that are with them as well. Where, it, where are we going to go from here? It obviously starts off in some confusion, doesn't it? The disciples, uh, the, the two on their road to Emmaus, they, they had no expectation of Jesus rising from the dead, but he did. So what's next? How does this go? Where does this move from, from this point? And, and so Jesus comes into their presence and Luke gives us this picture. He comes into their midst and is talking with them and, and he gives many convincing proofs. He is alive. Uh, some of the other gospels give us pictures of what that's like. John describes how he, he's over 500 people had seen him walking around, were able to touch him and, and talk with him. Thomas doubts that it's actually happened unless he can touch, his, touch him and Jesus said alright here you go touch me I'm alive and, and here's what I want you to do and he begins giving them the descriptions of what's next and his first thing that he says to them is stay here <laughs> stay in Jerusalem and wait what? <laughs> Come on, give me something to do. What, 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 what do you mean? Just sit around and wait. It's like, just wait until the Spirit comes. John baptized you with water. I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Uh, undoubtedly, they had all kinds. Of, well, what is that supposed to mean? Well, I mean? I mean, We understand baptism. John was baptizing in, uh, in the Jordan River. It was a baptism for the repentance of sins. He dunked us in the water, and, symbolizing, a, what does it mean to be baptized by the Holy Spirit? And... Well, that's a question left unanswered to this point. What is that going to look like? Their response to this is to ask him, Well, well, Lord, at at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Uh, John Stott and and other commentators kind of sense a collective, Are you kidding me? (laughs) Is that really what you're asking to restore Israel? Is that, is that what you're thinking? I've been talking about the kingdom of God and you're talking about restoring the kingdom of Israel. This is not what, it's ta- what I'm talking about. But in his graciousness, he doesn't attack them as maybe I would have and said, You adults. He says, It's not for you to know. It's not for you to know. Over the last couple thousand years, we spent a lot of time trying to figure out all the times. And uh, he tells his disciples, that's not for you to know. What did I tell you? Just seconds ago, go to Jerusalem and wait. And when the Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. They're going to be in the city of Jerusalem, which is in the region or the kingdom of Judea. To the north is Samaria. And then from that, the ends of the earth. This thing is going to get big and large. You are going to be part of this movement happening. But my first call to you is to wait and see what's going to happen. I... in developing the followers of Jesus, they're going to have to go through all kinds of things, and and part of it is understanding this is still God's agenda, that <laughs> this is still God's working in them, and as they go through, there's going to be several things that that they're, that's going to be developed in them. Uh, certainly, uh, I I I understand this uh, as good as anything in in three parts of our lives. Uh, that we develop in our heads and in our hearts and in our hands. That when we talk about our heads, we talk about knowledge, our brains, right the things that we know. And there's just some things that we're going to need to know. One of them, he's helped them out. Is Jesus really alive? Yes, many convincing proofs. Jesus is alive. He's talked with them repeatedly about God's word and how all the things that are described in God's word point towards the coming of this Messiah and what he was going to do in their midst. Things that they're starting to get, but maybe not fully yet. But to know the basics about who God is, who Jesus is, and how these things fit together. There's just things that, that you need to know, but, but the faith is not just knowledge. There's many people who who spend their lifetime looking at the scriptures and can tell you backwards and forwards all the things that they say. They don't believe a word of it, but they know what it says. They study it, and they will mock those who would have faith in a God. But as literature, we can study it. For those who are followers, it's not just the knowledge about what it says, it's the it's the heart as well. The feelings that we have, the emotions, the, uh, that, that we have actual relationship with God. And this is not a relationship that is, that is distant. And it is one of connectedness. Jesus has said to them in John chapter 3, God so loves this world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God loves. God loves you. And and, and so much so that, as Paul writes, God demonstrates his own love in this, that while we were sinners, sinners, Christ died for us he takes the first step always to indicate I love you, which is completely the description we have in the Old Testament. When God tells the people the Ten Commandments in the, the, the two recitings of it in both Exodus and Deuteronomy, it, it starts off before the first command comes, like I am the Lord your God, or I am Yahweh your God, who rescued you out of slavery. And then he begins to tell them This is the best way to live. Do not have any other gods before me. Do not make idols of them. Do not, as the list goes on, but before the commands come, I heard your cry. I responded and I rescued you. God loves mankind so much so that he goes to extraordinary efforts to indicate that. And the suffering that he endured, that we remember in the Lord's table was excruciating, painful. There was a tremendous cost that he paid for us. And that causes in our hearts a reciprocal response, uh, to love him as well, to have connection with him, not just to know about him and the things that the scriptures say, but to know him. Our scriptures are a conduit to knowing him. It's It's more than just us knowing facts and stories and being able to quote verses. The author himself wants us to know him. And so it's about our heads, but it's also about our hearts. But then it's also going to be about our hands. And the hands are, are our actions. This book, as I mentioned, is called The Acts of the Apostles. And throughout it, in the 28 chapters that are there, there is story after story of what they're doing, guided by the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit, certainly. But God uses people to do things, and the things that we see them do are going to be monumental, amazing. We will see drama and conflict, miracles, persecutions, death, people falling asleep in sermons. Shipwrecks, people getting hauled off to jail and then walking right out. There's tragedy, there's drama, there's even humor in it. And hopefully a reminder of what we are all about as the church. How do we do this? Well, there's going to be actions involved. And the first action, though, wait. (laughs) Wait and pray. Well, that's going to be difficult. (laughs) Sometimes we just want to do stuff. We just want to, give me the next thing that I'm called to do, that I have to do, and I'm ready to go. And wait in Jerusalem. Lord, are you at this time? Are you going to start? uh, Is this the the beginning of your kingdom? And can I sit at your right hand? Just stay in Jerusalem (laughs) till my Holy Spirit comes. And then, and then, and then you will be my witnesses how that works out and and we will see amazing ways how that works out. Uh, You can at some point this week look ahead from verse 1-8 which is where that's described to verse 8-1 where we see the church going to Samaria and to the ends of the earth and it's not pretty but that's how God is going to make this happen in ways that are unexpected. The first act Wait and pray some of the humor I think is there's just as as Jesus then ascends into heaven, and um, uh, some of our our sister churches in in other organizations uh, will have remembered this week as having been Ascension Day that forty days after Jesus' death, he raises to heaven this incident we see right here and and as he ascends into heaven. They're just kind of looking. I, I mean, I, I can't blame them. What, what, that'd be pretty, whoa. And and there he goes. And and then these guys are like, what are you guys looking at? Whoa! duh. And he's like, he's coming back. Do what he says. Go back to Jerusalem. Wait and pray. And so it gives the list of them. They go back to Jerusalem and they gather in their room and they they begin in constant prayer, but they gotta wait it's not happened yet after I graduated from college, I was looking for my first teaching job. I had a degree in history and education, secondary education and and I couldn't find it. I was applying in different uh, uh, different districts and different places in the country uh, uh, substitute taught I was working in an ice cream factory, just looking but Lord you know what i want to do next and 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 this seemed like everything's were blocked i I got passed over for some opportunities i thought i at least had a better shot at and and i was in, a, in the midst of frustration and during that time i i, I considered going to seminary and, and thinking through that and next next steps and and in the course of that uh, uh over the summer uh, the church we were attending and in Milwaukee, the, the the person teaching the Senior High Sunday School was getting married that summer and he was looking for some time off and so the youth director came in and asked me, he said, hey, this guy, he's getting married this summer, so would you take this over the summer? And I'm like, oh, sure, I will. And so taught over that summer and I'd give her my lesson plans every week and and, uh, just got to know them a little bit. We got towards the end of the summer, middle of August, and I, and I go to give her my lesson plan for that day, and she says, oh, you don't need to give these to me anymore. I'm like, oh, oh, oh what's, what's going on? Well, I'm resigning. Really? When? As of tonight. Really? Something was going on there. Uh, something that uh, still I'm not privy to, but something had happened, and, and she was no longer going to be the youth director. Well, this is mid-August. Uh, school is just about to start, and youth ministry was supposed to just starting to ramp up one of the things that you like to do is get have things running at the beginning of the year, so when students are making choices about the activities they get involved with, you at least are in the running for something for them to consider and 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 they had nothing. she had plans; they were all in her head. <laughs> At least for the senior high. One of her plans was the guy who got married; he was going to take over the student high ministry. I'd I'd gotten to know him, and and I said, Jeff, this is what she's you thinking doing. What? No, that is not happening. Uh, the ministry was was in disarray, and uh, I was I was again looking at beginning some classes that fall down at Trinity Seminary, and, and the church leadership came says, Well, Rick, would you? Consider doing this temporary and part time, just to help kind of get us up on running on our feet here. And 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 I said, well, I'm really not doing much else. <laughs> Working at that ice cream factory, and uh, I'll be taking some classes. And 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 so what was asked to be temporary lasted nine years, <laughs> and I went from half time to three quarters time to full time, and and really. Uh, Immersed me in in the calling to to follow and walk with him, but you know, for two years, I'm like, Lord, what gives? And 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 as I look back, he's like, Wait, just wait, because he knew at some point that a youth director was going to be resigning in haste, and and the ministry might be in jeopardy going into that fall, and and he had me ready and prepared in a moment to do that, and. For me, that's one of those reflections as I think about the calling that we have, it's always oriented around God's timing and his work. And sometimes we don't understand what's going on and why it's happening, and that's we're gonna see that again and again in this book. It's God's orientation and it's God's plan and God's timing, and sometimes it's not gonna make any sense to us. But in God's wisdom, he's gonna develop a movement, a movement that today spans the entire globe calling people to the loving God to become disciples of his. Where's our place in this? Where's your place in this? Hopefully as we look at this, uh, we can be considering, God, what are you calling me to do even today? I may be 30, I may be 50, I may be 80, I may be 90. What do you want? What can I do? Because the Spirit work, works in so mysterious ways. Let's stand for closing prayer. Lord, thank you for your word, and thank you for uh, the, these great stories these troubling stories of what you do and how you do it in, in ways that mystified sometimes the followers. And yet, as they, as they are led by your spirit, they begin to pick up. You're doing a work. And that our first call is to wait on you, to depend on you and to listen to you. And when you call us to move, to be ready to move. Lord, guide us and direct us. May we see you through this. And this week as we consider our life and where we're at right now, may we understand you have been faithful to us. We've remembered that in the communion table. You have been faithful to us beyond what we can imagine. Thank you for that. And to be able to extend this message to others. You've given us opportunities. You've given us gifts. You will place things before us. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you're doing. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen. God bless you this day. Well, thanks again for listening. And to learn more about how you can connect with Bethel Community Church, check out our website at islandbethelchurch.com or join us for a service Saturday night at 6 or Sunday morning at 1045. Hope to see you soon. God bless you.